there's demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside in theaters because you want to see it a second time yeah like i'm sure i'm sure you want to go back i really do yeah yeah because you watch it so differently the second time like every scene is just incredible like that whole party just every comment every single person is making when they're approaching that it's oh it's unbelievable they're scoping out and all the the way they're asking the questions and their facial expressions like the first guy is asking about golf he's like do you pay play golf or whatever he's like and he's like let's see your pose try let's see let's see what would it be like to swing because he's scoping out like can i golf in this body (laughs) i'm just shopping around for a golfer yeah Yeah. god that's yeah that's exactly right so like um the one thing we kind of didn't really land on is like the the guy who ended up buying chris Mm -hmm. like why would they have all the other people over if he had specifically like told the family to get Chris for him? I know it seems and that, he that had could to... be a loose area because it yeah. seems like um, I think if he... it was such a sure thing, he would just make that deal without the event, you know? Yeah. But... Well, I, th- I think uh, just the same as everybody else, he's just got this. He's doing more research. He's waiting for someone. Right. Like Chris. Wants to actually meet in person. Yeah. And that's why he just makes makes such an aggressive bid. Yeah, yeah. That's why he goes. He sits down and he probably had, like, when the, what's-her-name, started dating Chris. Right. He probably had his, like, his man checking them out. Yeah, yeah. I'm so curious about all of that. And it's it's nice that the movie kind of leaves you with those curiosities about just how the whole operation worked. Mm -hmm. Like, who were these rich people that came and were aware of the process and were cool with it? How did they contact each other? How would they get... Is that like a monthly newsletter? (laughs) And they said it's a yearly event, right? So every year there's just... And you can't... You can't do more than well. You can't do more than one a year. Hold hold on though. They say it's a yearly event. To, that is potentially fair enough. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. And not to say it is. Like they could do it every single year, but she probably doesn't on a yearly mark have a boyfriend who's ready to meet the parents. No, and she there's no way she had like twelve of those boyfriends and twelve of that. So yeah, that's just a way to yeah. But even, they said five months of dating, so that's like a lot of work. Yeah, and she did say specifically that he was her favorite, and that, mm-hmm. that one might have been slightly different. Ah, they had uh, more long time spent together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then there's also the possibility that it went longer, because she was kind of contracted out specifically to get Chris if he can by this one high bidder. Yeah, or else it was a complete coincidence that the guy, that seems too unlikely. Yeah, that, I don't think it's coincidence, yeah. but I think um, it may have been coincidence that the two of them met. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's coincidence that like this guy knew about it and was gonna. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. One thing that really stood out the second watching too was um, how well written the backstory of Chris, or how integral that was to the whole story, the trauma that he had. Yeah. That his mom was killed in a hit and run from the moment where the deer gets hit. Like when he's sitting there yeah, yeah, and he's sure. like, this deer is dying. He's thinking back about his own trauma of like, oh, I left my mom to die. She was hit and run. She was there, and that's. That's why there's that sustained moment where he's looking and empathizing and right. getting upset with the deer. There's that moment. And then that's why he goes back for the grandma, that, too. Yeah, that's why he went and picked her up, just because he couldn't do that again. That was pretty... Yeah, that's great. The car. He's like, fuck! And I had to go back and get her. And then one thing, too, when if you remember when the grandma comes back to pour the tea for everyone, when they first go out and they... The parents remind the daughter about the annual event. Yeah, and she out, gets she sent of, to, like, off to nap. Yeah, because she kind of is, like... She kind of tweaks out a little bit when she's pouring the tea i think it's because the mom is like stirring her teacup and maybe inadvertently like triggers that 
hypnotic state for a split second. Like, she just hears kind of the tinking. Oh, yeah. And she just kind of, like, locks out for a split second. Oh, yeah. I wa- okay, was the mom, like, when she was stirring her tea, it probably wasn't inadvertent. Like, she's probably doing that intentionally. It was didn't... she doing that, do you think, in any way towards Chris? Or? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because huh. that was, would that have been the day after the hypnosis? I think it was before the hypnosis. Yeah. But, um... But just laying the groundwork for it. Just see, like, asking questions. And yeah. Ask an intense emotional question and hit the teacup. And that's... And just start, yeah, creating yeah. a little path deeper and deeper into his brain. Subconscious, yeah. yeah. Damn. It's great. So, yeah, I was listening to Jordan Peele on Nerdist, and, um... They were talking a little bit about, um... The movie Get Out, if you'd believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically about like what he was trying to say what the overarching message was and like just how exactly he wanted to deliver this like social commentary inside of a horror movie yeah and like his his responses were really really encouraging for like the jordan peele movie franchise moving forward Mm. um because he was talking about how like um like first and foremost like message or no message the point of the movie was to entertain horror fans um and to like um, the first way that, you know, introducing, like, some sort of, like, um, black message was um, the main character, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, I mm-hmm. believe his name is. Um, he was coming in because um, he wanted to um, kind of be, like, a vessel for the audience, wherein he was clever and um, he would make, he wouldn't make the same, the classic horror trope mistakes, like, Jordan Peele was trying to present this guy um, in a way that people would, you know, glom onto him like they would any other character, despite right. the fact that he's, you know, black in a horror movie, which is mm-hmm. uncommon. Um, and then, um, moving forward about, like, the message, like, overall, he's like, there's a lot of sub-messages in it, um, and um, the idea of a social thriller is something that Jordan Peele's really into, um, but if there was one specific message, what he said it was, is just the mass incarceration of African-Americans in the United States. And that's the, that's the big parallel, right? which I don't know. Is... Interesting. Yeah. I've heard him in some other interviews too, just talking about it as, well, I want to, I wanted to comment on the idea of a post-racial America, the fact that, oh, we have a black president, so everything's fine now. I wanted to really draw attention to that. Like, no, there are still way deeper issues yes. that, that remain. Like, you know, like the mass incarceration. Like mass incarceration, yeah. absolutely. Um, and also, one thing I found from watching some interviews with him was that originally he wanted um, Chris to go to jail in the end. Like, he was going to have a, di- a different, a real cop show up, put him in jail. And then when they started kind of filming, he realized that, oh, no, this isn't what the movie needs. Like, they, they need... Um, him to um, to escape from this and yeah. to have the guy come back. And he says it, he was so glad he made that choice mm-hmm. because one of his favorite points or his, one of his favorite parts in watching the movie or watching audience watch the movie is when his friend shows up in the airport TSA car and everyone cheers. Is like, well, when he gets out of the car. And when the he relief, gets out of the car right? and the relief, you're like, yeah, yeah but that's like made it. <clears throat> it's cool that that was like a decision that Jordan Peele made rather than like, or, again, of course it's a decision, but mm-hmm. rather than like, um, that's a really, really, really good ending in some ways for as a horror movie, as, like especially one if you're looking at it from the surface and there yeah. is a message, but you're not delving deep into that. You're just being entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, to see like that, this is all about black characters, mm-hmm. you know, being sort of contained against their will by the white characters, and then you see that cop show up at the end. 
if he were to get arrested, like, he's, you know... Yeah. Just through trying to survive, through, like, being the good guy and slugging through all the shit, mm-hmm. he's gonna go to jail for it. And that, in, in a lot of horror movies, that's a good ending, where, like, they try and try and try, and you realize that now yeah. they're in the belly of the beast. Now they've gone... Yeah, too far. You said this last time, and I really like the way you put it. That just this is the right ending for that movie. Like yeah. they're at, like Cabin in the Woods. That's the right ending. That yeah. the <laughs> monsters win and humanity is done. They, sure, yeah, it's right. So each story has its kind of own appropriate kind of end or an end that seems to work best for it. That's yeah, the most sh- satisfying. Sure, or, or, like there's something um, almost like sacred about the characters in this one versus the the previous one, um, like the. The right decision that these characters make in Cabin in the Woods, that's a good comparison, is to, like, end hard, you know, crash and burn. Yeah. That's what has to happen for good. It's, it's so it's so satisfying. It serves the whole tone and kind yeah. of where the movie's going. And this is actually, this, this idea of how a horror movie should end is great for this movie we're going to be watching today. Ooh. Um, because that movie is Final Girls. Okay. And what that... Even with the title alone, fin- the whole concept of a final girl is in slasher films, there's always the one female that ends up left at the end of the movie with her group of friends. Sometimes there's like an additional friend that comes along or barely survives at the same sure. time. Yeah, but, but the final girl is a very common thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a trope. It's a is horror it? movie trope. Yeah. Uh, it, like specifically in slashers? Is that, specifically that's... in slashers. Okay. Yeah. I'd say so. More yeah. than like with um, supernatural horror movies, um, yeah. you don't really get... That same kind of thing. It's well, more it's, like I don't. I think it's all. relatively archetypal that um, it's going to be one, often a woman. A woman yeah. in horror, there's, there's a lot more female protagonists. That's true. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what this whole movie is taken as its starting point. It's okay. this idea of a final girl, a um, slasher survivor, a slasher survivor, and so you don't know too much about this movie. Uh, I know so little. I decided not to research it at all. Great. Yeah, that's great. Would um the just before you say would the um. What's her name from uh, Hush? Is she a final girl? Um, she's also an only girl, so that's... Well, no, because no, there are three or two four other that get killed. people that get killed. I, I'd say, yeah, it fits, but I think more of the trope generally is... The movie starts off with a uh, cast of, of like teenagers. five or six teens. Yeah, yeah. And it always ends up okay. being the one who ultimately kills the killer in the end, right? Yeah. This happens with um, Halloween, with Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. with Neighbor on Elm Street. Like, these are... None of which we've watched Scream. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> we will get to, eventually. We're doing the joke, or like, you know... The, not the joke, but, like, the gimmick of all those movies mm-hmm. before we watch any of those movies. Yeah. Well, I guess. I like that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing the parody of them before we're actually watching the original films themselves. But I have a deep appreciation for slashers. Like, Same. I think slashers were probably my entry um, into horror in a lot of ways because there was such a revival of them when we were, or when I was turning 11, 12, 13. That's when Scream, <laughs> I Know What You Did Last Summer, Urban Legends... These are, all, these are all classics in my mind. I haven't revisited a lot of them, but I loved those movies and I watched them probably like a dozen times each growing up. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, they're really woven into like yeah. the young years of my memory. Yeah, exactly. And it was it was only just that person until just little... coming towards you. Like, yeah. There's it works. And that like that mask that they chose for Scream <clears> was <throat> is just such an iconic Yeah. All all the masks, like the Freddy Krueger face, face that's not a mask. Yeah. Uh, it's a mask on the actor. The Freddy Krueger gets to be a mask. Yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. Call it one. Um, the Halloween mask, mm-hmm. the Friday the Thirteenth mask, the hockey mask. 
Yeah, so it's the hockey mask, the like mm-hmm. full leather face mask. Yeah, so the... that's another trope of yeah. slasher films. Yeah. And like really, so that was kind of the, probably maybe the second big wave of slashers, this 90, late 90s wave, which is the one where we really um, came of age and became aware of slasher films. And then I only later then went back and watched all those original ones, the original Friday the yes. 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's been a while since I've even checked those out, so I'm excited to watch them with you and yeah. do podcast episodes of them in the future. Yeah, we should um, we should try to like get together in some off times and knock out a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, I don't know how interested people would be in watching like the ninth or, or listening to the ninth or tenth Friday the Thirteenth movie. Yeah, maybe. I don't know how much we'd have to say. Maybe. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, people will be searching those things more likely than they're going to be searching a movie from like fifteen years ago. So mm. yeah, and be- because they're such um, huge franchises, yeah, that I think people will always go back and watch even the bad chapters just to see what yeah. happened. Yeah, it, that's the thing about yeah. a seven movie franchise is you kind of mm-hmm. if you like some of them, you're gonna to watch the bad ones too and you know what it'd be really fun to even like in those late late ones because i think there's 12 friday the 13th Jesus. just to really take them seriously and dive in like i think there there will be fun to do i uh, even though i said the opposite a few minutes ago wait just like laugh our asses off and watch them yeah like laugh our, and and truly like evaluate and then be able to rank what we think are the best ones yeah of and franchises. like i wonder though like because i kind of think like you the twelve movie franchise means it's a bad movie. Like that's a very very <laughs> simple thing in my my head that my brain does. You know, it's like you get that many in, it's just studios pumping them out, right? For the cash. Do you, like? I mean, we're gonna have to sit down and watch these things, but like, I'm curious to see how much they try, even if they fail in their bad, how mm-hmm. much they try to like have a theme or have a voice or have the same, yeah. you know, sort of running, you know, whatever ideas yeah. that that connect one movie to the next. Some there's not a lot of movies that there's twelve of at the same time too. So if there really isn't, if if I can like suspend my you know disbelief and dislike, mm-hmm. can I? Is there something that I can enjoy from having a series of, of movies that's that long mm-hmm. that tries to tell so many different stories? I think I think it's going to be some are going to be more exciting than others, but I I feel like every franchise does have those gems that are hidden late in the series. Mm. Like, and I think maybe Nightmare on Elm Street has more of them. Like, Dream Warriors, the third one, seems to get very good reviews. I don't think I've ever seen that. New Nightmare, which I've talked about before, sounds amazing because that's Wes Craven um, taking the first stab at this meta kind of horror movie where the movie is about the all the filmmakers and actors from the first Nightmare on Elm Street mm. when now suddenly they're actually having the nightmares with Freddy Krueger in oh, them. Oh, cool. Like, so, a, like a Nosferatu, Shadow of the Vampire. Exactly. Deal. So cool. he did that like in the early 90s and then Scream came in the late 90s. So I think that was kind of a stepping stone for Wes Craven to hmm. come up with the Scream idea. But yeah, anyways, um, we should get this movie going, I think. Yeah, so it's Final Girls. We're dealing with the concept of these... Yeah, and it's very much a horror comedy. It might even be a comedy horror. I, yeah, you no, think this, about that. This one is straight up. I didn't look at too much, mm-hmm. but this one's like this is a really good comedy. Yeah, but again, its starting point is the horror genre, so it's yeah. I think totally suitable for this podcast. Yeah, like I don't think it's as going to be uh-huh. as funny like Shaun of the Dead. Mm. Like I don't think they're going for like pure jokes with a, a horror aesthetic. Yeah. I think it's a horror movie. That has a lot. It is a generous serving of jokes. Yeah, I think I think that's a good assumption to make. I yeah, think it's actually all... it's pretty close to Shaun of the Dead in a lot of oh, in, to- so? in tone. I, from what I remember, I haven't seen this since it came out. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, but I think it might lean heavier towards the horror. So I think your suspicions are correct. Okay. Um, I'm excited to see what you think. There's some fun things in store. I think today it's just going to be about having a drink and having some fun. Yeah. We're doing a double day. Ooh. Scaredy cats. Double day, y'all. Yeah. Um, we're not going to tell you the second one. We'll let mm-hmm. you figure that out when you we'll get to it. We'll let you figure that one out actually, next week. Actually, because I mean, the order is so all over the place for these five days. Because Slightly the one we're doing place. second is actually going to have played... Two weeks before this comes out, because it was our St. Patrick's Day episode, so you know that, Scaredy Cats. Oh my goodness, right. <laughs> right, no, it is all over the place then. It is. So, here's an episode, there's an episode, everywhere is an episode. A Dr. Seuss book, Yeah. in the making. It's real, racist guy, Dr. Seuss. Yeah, a lot of stuff has been coming out lately, eh? yeah, a lot yeah, of different yeah. articles showing his earlier animations. Yeah. Anyways, on that, on that note. On that lovely note, uh, cheers. Cheers, dude. I love that, that the score would kick in whenever the killer is, like, near. Yeah. Like, yeah. the... Is that Friday the 13th that that's originally from? I think. The... I think so. I think that's Friday the 13th. Yeah. I, I'm so scared to ever commit to anything. I know, I know, but I'm, I feel confident enough to say Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, Clearly, was... clearly we haven't watched those classic slashers in a while. Yeah, well, that's what we were talking about, like, at the opening of this, mm-hmm. is that, like, those big classic ones the slashers that we loved so much yeah. there's millions of them of each of them in the franchise so like i feel definitively like i need to go back and get you know yeah uh, and, and that that would have helped me um catching so many more references in this movie right um, but i'm sure you've seen enough slashers to get the general like tropes that were sure yeah no reference getting Even all the cabin in the woods references and plays off of a lot of the same things too what what do you mean by that in what ways what's the connective in the connective what uh, stuff. <laughs> another metaphor. Another metaphor. Connective Kleenex. Um, just in terms of the, they always reference the typical characters like, oh, you're the shy girl. Okay. They point out the archetype. The, the archetypes. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, you're you're the like slutty girl who's going to do the strip tease. Like, those are all okay. kind of moments in a yeah. slasher film. Yeah. The jock like character who's kind of a douchebag. Yeah, and they really took it to a the nth degree and made it really funny. Really, all I the... forgot how hilarious this that movie is. was so funny we were like i don't think we've had this is the like 19th or 20th horror film we watched together i don't think we've laughed as hard as we have Mm-mm-mm. as that we did was, in this movie I, I laughed pretty hard in get out but no <laughs> this was special like i was hurting when that one girl was, was dancing on 30 adderalls <laughs> and had to do the strip tease to lure the killer in that was probably the funniest part that of the movie so because the she's hilarious like as the dumb girl who's playing a character of a character yeah. who is just my o- she, my only character's purpose is to strip. So they have her like with a life jacket yeah, and duct tape oven gloves and she's like, I just wanna strip. That's all I yeah, she has this instinctual drive. It's interesting the way that they're playing on um the caricatures in this movie, like because they all are little slivers of a personality specifically to exist in this movie. So, like, there isn't necessarily a complete depth to each of them. That's part of the genius of this movie, yeah. Yeah, and um, very, very reminiscent of uh, Last Action Hero with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah? Yeah, have you seen it? 
I don't think so. It's uh, it's exactly this movie, but they go into an action movie rather than a, a horror. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and it's with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he starts, I think he goes in the real world and starts like punching through windows to get in cars. He's like, that hurt. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> he has to reload his guns, and he doesn't understand. Yeah, it's it's got a lot in common. And That's I was, amazing. I was seeing that the whole movie. Right. Um, uh, and I, I found myself... Um, That's a great way to describe it, how just all the characters, all they have to work with is a sliver of personality. Yeah. You have like two or three lines that define your character, and you literally don't have any other thought or action outside of those. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm probably reading way too deep into this, but like kind of what I like about that is how then um, the actress who was, who would become her mother, who she's going back and visiting, right, mm-hmm. in, the, in the movie... She seems to have the most, or the most, like, explorable character. Mm. Like, it's, like, the deepest. And I think the reason that that is, is because, like, whatever bits and components of that mother's character that went into the acting and went into the final product of the film, um, like, was able to be tapped into by the daughter because she knows that person in real life. So she was able to expand that sliver of her personality as wide as it would go. Right. Because she has that, like, insight. Yeah, um, and that might be looking in super deep, but that was the one situation where she had a lot more character than the rest of them. Yeah, even the main final girl, who's the original final girl, she seemed to be asking questions and like. So I wonder if the characters, um, if called upon, would broaden out a little bit more. It's like because the mom was the one who was who um, was spent the most time with, or we as a viewer and the main character spent the most time with, and kept yeah. asking in conversation. Whereas on the polar opposite end. Um, the girl who just wanted to strip all the time, and the guy played by the workaholics dude, Adam Devine, Devine, Adam Devine, Devine, yeah, whoever, yeah, the gr- those hilarious two, dude. They did so funny. God. I mean, the, you have a lot of talented improvisers in this movie, and I have no doubt that a lot of the, the most hilarious moments were things because, as we could see after the credits, there's a lot of riffing and mm. just added onto jokes. Yeah, they they threw in like kind of a gag reel at the end, yeah, which is a really great. It, um, it feels it, it, kind of similar to XX um, in, in the. Um, the one we didn't like, the birthday party one. Yeah. How they threw in the uh, that text at the end, those jokes. Yeah. They threw them in at the end, like it, that was a lot sloppier done. Mm-hmm. But throwing in that final kind of like you know smiley moment. Yeah. Like you know along for the ride. Here's some you know. Scrapbook. We're we're ready for it, and I yeah. think that's because the final scene too is a joke. Like yeah. we it's we end. Silly. It's like okay, they're all. It's okay, a reveal joke. That's everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like oh no, they're not back in the yeah. real world. They've just started at the beginning of the sequel and that's why after the credits roll the film kind of real the whole background turns into a film reel and then we see the rating remember the giant rating screen oh yeah at the start the opening of the second one of the next movie right because they were showing the double feature that night yes right (laughs) so that's the one so but one thing i didn't understand is right at the beginning how the car kept going around every 90 minutes Mm -hmm. that seemed to me like the that's the movie was restarting over and over again yes you know and I know, at the start it almost gives you the, the impression that it's going to be a Groundhog Day type movie where they're just kind of living it yeah. over and over again. But you're right that it doesn't, why then would it have not after the first time just go straight into the sequel? Yeah, and it might have been to do with the fact that now these people were in the movie and it was about them too. Yeah. And they needed to be part of the story for it, for mm-hmm. it to go on. Yeah, but you're right, not totally clear. Yeah, not, not incredibly. That was my, the one confusion, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't see that there is any obvious way to get out of here. Right. Because even theoretically, at the beginning, we saw the movie had ended and started again. So why do you think it's going to... What, yeah, what, you guys what caused it to loop? Just the fa- yeah. their presence and they had to be part of it? Or they I also, suppose, what caused they also to go- had to die? Like, there, there only could ever be one final girl left? 
that scene, they all they came to that conclusion. It was yeah. just so that that could be it that the that Billy couldn't kill uh, Max, the well, other potential final girl, because she was way deep in the woods and wasn't around. So the movie okay. couldn't end; it just short circuited and had to start <clears throat> over again. Potentially, this, yeah. We love, they, okay. we love doing this. Should, to, like, no, that that, that could be it. That's a really good point. Is that like if this um, idea that was brought up by um, Adam Devine, who, who dies, he, yeah. he kind of explains he's he's our teacher, he's our guide through the movie until he dies. Mm-hmm. He's explaining all the scenes and when the best times are and when something happens, it sets this off, and and he gives them all the rules that they use to then you know make their plans and stuff. And he dies conveniently like halfway through the movie, yeah, so that they are left without those. Like, but what about this? Why right. would this have happened? And they have to figure it out based on what they know. Mm-hmm. So it sort of seems that this sort of, like, there needs to be a final girl is a rule. Right. Whereas, There like, can't be two. Like, there needs to always just have one. Yeah. At least for the formula of this movie mm-hmm. to, to work. Um, yeah. And, yeah, they broke the fourth wall a lot. But, by, you know, just... Well, I mean, the, the fourth wall is broken. The whole thing is, like, an invasion like, of the fourth wall. Yeah, but saying, like, I'm the mean movie. girl in yeah. a horror movie. It is halfway through. But it's it's so exciting for that third act when it kicks in overdrive and it gets all home alone. Like, we've got to prepare, mm-hmm. set it up. How are we going yeah. to kill this guy? I love that. Setting up all the traps. Yeah, and the one Adderalled out girl is so dumb that she runs, trips. I don't know if you caught this. It happened really fell fast. Fell right, her head right in the bear trap. Face first into a bear trap. <laughs> they kind of skimmed over that, right? Like, they didn't even zoom in. It just, it was a full shot. And you just saw, see your head going to the yeah, they, bear they trap. Yeah, they were very irreverent about killing off those characters. Yeah. Just, and the other guy just got stabbed, I guess. Something. Which one? Uh, the black guy. Yeah, yeah. He got, like, I think stabbed through and up. He only had this, this little... This little mark on the middle of his belly. So I don't know what happened there. But mm. there was a lot of moments. Like, I even think the shot of um, a dude getting hit with the machete in the side. Like, yeah. That just came out of nowhere. It didn't, like... Well, it's clear it, that Billy has good throwing skills. Because he does it a couple times. He, where well, the he second, throws a knife. He threw the knife. She, she matrixed she it. She matrixed it, yeah. Um, Hold the Neo. And... But, like, yeah. It, I thought that some of the effects and some of the, like, sla- actual slash... Mm. You know, moments were a little hokey and like they should have got some good gore. But what's the rating on this movie? I think, I assume PG-13. It's PG-13. I I think maybe it's a PG-13 thing. It also could be limited budget. Like, I don't know how, this wasn't that wide of a release. It's not that big of a Mm. writers and directors. So I think maybe, like gore is expensive. Maybe that's one way that they shaved off some budget money. Maybe. Also, why would that gorgeous... um... End sequence? No, 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 no. The gorgeous, like, memory flashback Oh, yeah, effect. those things. I wonder how expensive that effect was, because it's just weird, those weird cones that kind of Those cones, down. but you could, if you looked at them, they were, like, textured, like, um... The scene of that they were going to be transferred into, yeah. Not even that. I mean, the actual physical texture of those little, that drooping, liquidous... Yeah. Th- it had little bubbles in it, like it was some kind of, like glue or fluid or something like it was really textured it looked really good if you were staring at it oh, yeah when i was looking at it, it just looked like it was reflecting whatever the world was it, that they're about to enter well into. it was it, well it was clear so mm-hmm. like the images of the world we could see were distorted yeah but the actual effect like that if that stuff was a physical stuff it yeah. was like this hand sanitizer looking goo coming down it had all these little bubbles in it oh i didn't notice the bubbles yeah there. and i'm like that's a really really good effect yeah and it was yeah it's an interesting choice that it totally works at first you're like what what is happening yeah why is this happening yeah and then it makes it's such a funny payoff when they go back the second time with billy like to try to escape him flashback flashback let's get out of here using a like (laughs) a movie device yes yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> to then, get away from a story like that. And was then cool. Billy gets hit by the car in the flashback, and then crashes through the summer 1957 <laughs> credits. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. Knocks all the letters. Knocks all the letters everywhere. God, that was so good. Yeah. A, so, lo- a lot of hilarity. But the other reason why I think maybe there's some, it was like a lower budget movie. A lot of the interior shots were kind of clearly filmed on a set because all the windows they just have just these this big amount of light right light through. beaming in yeah yeah, 100%. yeah. so I don't know if that was because they're trying to parody like an eighties horror movie and how cheaply made a lot of those are or if they were just literally on like a lower budget themselves. Well, you wonder in that situation if it's because they looked cheap or because that's how they looked. You know, I don't know if they were... Ne- yeah, even the title card at the start of this movie, The Final Girls, is that same it's kind of like light real... shooting through cracks. Yeah. And when they travel into the movie, they're going through the light a through light the, thing. the screen. It does seem like an aesthetic Consistent going for. Yeah, more so than choice. like a, they didn't have the money to do right. something else. But and how... um, I, just while we're talking about like that, like the light, the visual um, element of the movie, it was incredibly bright and incredibly colorful. Mm-hmm. Like the whole time. And it was... I loved that. Like... Very colorful, especially that final scene, right? That final battle where they go out into the mm. field and you oh, have the that was, yeah, the that red was... lightning, the purple clouds, like the bright, green. vibrant green ground. Incredible. Yeah, that weirdly like linear shot with the line of that blood red cloud and the purple oh, I love the haze. That was so cool. The yep. color of the house even made it look really cool. And then just these two figures approaching each other. Almost like a Mortal Kombat game. Yeah, yeah. That felt very Mortal Kombat. Yeah. each other. I almost expect like the health bars to yeah. pop up in the corner. Three, two, Finish one, fight! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. And and yeah, just throughout most of the movie, when they were going to the woods, it was very bright. All of the, like, plenty of different colors in every scene, rather than just a lot of green. Yeah, the yeah. one forest area that they like first show up in, and then she goes back with her mom at one point, is especially kind of fantastical like weird bizarre colored flowers everywhere yeah a little grove with a little yeah wood thing yeah so i don't know if that's still trying to heighten up the fact that like oh this is just a cheesy fantasy or a bad 80s horror yeah it's 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 nice that like just the very choice of this movie to go into an 80s horror movie allows you to play around with weird aesthetic things like that yeah or or um acknowledge that what this place that they are that they got stuck in is is a movie from the 80s yeah so, in that movie from the 80s, if it's all real to these characters and to the people here, um, then what we saw in those 80s movies is, like, beautiful, lush green flowers and, like, all these the, these right. kids who get out of the car and put on their headphones and start dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just all of these things that just you'd never really see. Yeah. It would never work out that way, but it's just totally commonplace in this world. Yeah. Um, Last Action Hero is a lot like that, too. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, I, yeah, even watching just the characters who are in the movie, or the characters who enter the movie, rather, sitting around and watching these characters, like, sit in a kumbaya circle, and they're just staring into, like, oh, what's yeah. happening? Like, these aren't normal humans, is, like, a comment on how shallow the characters yeah. are. Oh, and, um, and when, uh, she was going to tell the story about Billy for the first time, and everyone's just standing around the room, like, trying to figure out what's going on, and she's like, um... It happened 20 years or whatever. Yeah. And then all of the the movie characters start going to their seats. In perfect unison. Yeah. They all like walk in, like almost twirl, and then just all pleasantly sit down together. And and on the way... such a subtle, beautiful thing to throw in. But on the way, as they do that, like the other non-movie characters are getting like bumped into and like, what are you doing? What are you you doing? So just all these normal, real world humans watch (laughs) these movie characters like 
As if they're in a cult and they, someone snapped their fingers. All of them just like went and like sat in their yeah. assigned seats yeah. and start listening to a story. Yeah. They're all like, what the hell? <laughs> but at the same time, whenever um, Billy did kind of enter the scene, it was thrilling and exciting. Like, yeah. they were excited to see what's going to happen. Who's going to kill you? Are, are they going to get away sure. from this killer? It changed from like um, idly watching a, you know an 80s movie like in a circus you know just mm-hmm. watching it from a distance to being in it and then being totally that next idea. level is also in danger so right. these people who aren't the silly movie characters are just as mm-hmm. can get chopped right by right billy it's interesting too to ground the whole thing in that narrative of just a girl dealing with the loss of her mother like that was yeah. kind of the heart at the center of the movie yeah and I don't know if I fully bought into it. Like I didn't, I didn't really fully care or was emotionally invested in that part of the story. Yeah. But it was pretty good, and I think it was helped a lot by those two performances by Malin Ackerman and Tysa Firminga. They they're I, both pretty. They did a really good job. Actresses, yeah. um, and uh, for me specifically, at this point in time, um, in this past week, I started watching on Netflix um, The Returned, um, and it's That's a TV series. Yeah. Um, and it may be based on books, I don't know, but, um, it's people who have been gone for like years just suddenly come back. Right. Amazing concept. Yeah. Um, how's the follow through? Um, I've only seen two episodes and it's like, what you love about that is like just seeing it. Just like the moment a mother who hasn't seen her daughter for four years walks into the kitchen and she's making a sandwich. Right. You know? And then just, she calls the dad. How do they react? Yeah. He sees her too. And then just more and more people like coming to see this reality as normal people is so unbelievably satisfying and surreal and right. I love it. So seeing that, seeing her having that moment where her mom has died and one year later, so it's fresh, but it's like you've also had a year. Mm-hmm. She goes and she doesn't really want to see this movie, but you know, her friends kind of goad her into doing it. Um, and she's having moments on screen. She sees her mom and and she's like kind of fallen for it a little bit like yeah she, like she almost can't look at the screen she has to get up and walk out remember Before yeah for, for a breath of air yeah. and then you know the very funny dropping a a full bottle Great. of vodka that was almost like final destination right yes, the way that feels like that all these like objects are just perfectly falling into place yeah. it's lining up, it's setting up beautifully you're like yeah. what's gonna happen you see wow. the alcohol going forward you you see the guy smoking the cigarette yeah what's gonna happen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they weren't they didn't try to hide anything in this movie they they would telegraph stuff and they're like yeah we're gonna show you what's about to happen yeah it's yeah. it's meant to be fun like yeah. they're setting you up for fun not to like twist to yeah. screw with you or to have a surprise or anything yeah 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 and um yeah like kind of having the the jason like character who is just mm-hmm. unstoppable no matter what yeah. i love the trap they set for him with the like battering ram and the deer horns nice right that was Smashing a ball and trap deer horns. Yeah. yeah it hit him knocked him onto them he's stuck and he still gets one from up there and just hops down <laughs> and hops down and he's fine yeah you always have to decapitate that's kind of a rule of these things right that's it it's all except i think in in halloween in Halloween Resurrection, they do... Or in Halloween H2O, which I think is the eighth one, they cut off his head and it's still not enough. He still comes back. I forget what the justification is. It's been a while. And But but no, there's, got, there's one in space. They must just send him into the sun. Yeah, oh, this, <laughs> well, he's in space with Freddy Krueger, isn't he? Is it, oh, is it that Jason versus... Oh, no, no, you're right. There's Jason X, which is the Jason one in space. Jason X in space. Okay. And he, that's amazing. I saw that when it came out, but that's a long time ago now. Do you remember what happens to him? Nope. <laughs> He gets, um, but it, it must be that it must be like a final distance shot of him just floating away into space, yeah. ideally burning up in the sun. Yeah, 
Theoretically, that's a, that's yeah. a great thing to do with an unkillable monster in space is he gets shot out the ship and you're like, it is over. But then technically he's still out there and he can't be killed. He's He'll fine. be back. Yeah. They always come back. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's true in this movie as well. Yeah. Billy came back. Unstoppable. The very Until next the movie. final girl kills him. And then he came back again. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> sequel. With, did you notice, a second machete. Yeah, yeah, two of them. Camp two. That was, I, I was cool because I was wondering because um, it, before they actually went into the theater to see the movie, there was that promo of Billy standing there yeah. right where um, uh, Adam knocks the... Or t- that's Thomas Middleditch, yeah. Uh, the, he, yeah, where he knocks the, the stuff over. Mm-hmm. Um, the one there, he's holding up two knives over his head. Right. Yeah, and they like. So you were waiting for that second one to come. Yeah, he's and he did the motion of it, like yeah, Bill or whatever. Like yeah, he did. Yeah, like that is what the franchise becomes in this movie is the two knife Billy. Right. And like that's what all the people prefer, but the Mm. first one is the classic. So the whole I thought we were gonna he had two knives that was his thing and he didn't the whole movie he comes back in the sequel with it that's cool big payoff right at the end Uh, yeah I like that a lot yeah. <laughs> it's just so fun! It's so fun to end it just on such an intense climactic yeah. like new scene. And uh, Thomas Middleditch's face, um, her friend's brother or whatever, is just excited like the sequel. Yeah, <laughs> and just like right before he got killed the first time, yeah. he was just so excited. He's got a machete to the side, and he's just pumped to be in this movie because yeah. he's the ultimate fanboy. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's the one who got talked her into showing up in the first place. <laughs> yeah, and was clearly gonna um, pressure her into doing the Q and A after, just because she's the daughter of the lead actress. Yeah, yeah, he's. Just as obsessed yeah. with the movies, which is a great character to have in it. Yeah, yeah. He like sort of spiritually fulfilled like the stoner character from um, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, totally. A little bit to me. Yeah, yeah. That's what's interesting with this one and with Cabin in the Woods is that you're commenting on these cliches, but at the same time you're embracing them to tell the story. Yeah, it's so weird that like kind of why you'd want to watch a movie like this is see how many cliches they can throw in there. And just do it well or subvert it or whatever it is. Yeah, even like in that final, when they're in the hospital and they're realizing that they're in the sequel, they're panning around and they see Rubik's Cube, Tab, yeah. and a Gremlins doll. Yeah. Which I guess is to establish that this is still in the late 80s, early 90s. I, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like the Tab immediately made me think product placement. Right. We're in yeah. a movie, but then seeing the other 80s items, I'm like... They wouldn't have put a other movie. Out I'm curious it. about the yeah the Rubik's cube. Like was that, no, that's this? you're right. It's 80s. It's, it's gotta just be 80s. 80s big. Yeah, it's yeah. gotta be just to show the time period. We are not in a modern hospital, right? Yeah, 100. percent Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I still think this was legitimate enough for us to do because it is commenting on horror movies and there are scary, yeah. arguably scaryish scenes in it. Yeah, it belongs in under the umbrella of Texas Crusade Saw. Definitely. Oh yeah, I don't doubt that at all. It, and you know the fact that. It, you know, we're using our knowledge of horror movies to catch jokes. Yeah. I don't know. That's good. I mean, that yeah. means it's... It is interesting that, and you pointed this out at the top, that this is the first slasher that we're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> parody and commentary on slasher <laughs> flicks. That's how we're yeah. introducing slashers into the podcast. We haven't done any of the hundreds of them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or at least the five that are important. That... The five main franchises, yeah. yeah. We'll be getting to those, as you've been told in a yeah. Leprechaun episode. How about this? Flashing back to things we haven't said yet. Oh my god. Now you have to say... God damn it. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? Of remember what we said earlier? What, what, this is the fun of doing out of order episodes. I kind of like... Remember what we said last time in the episode we've yet to record? Sure. Remember last time when I was like, Cinnamon buns? I can't get enough! I do remember that. That was pretty funny. That was funny, wasn't it? Yeah. You guys... You remember. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's so dumb. Ugh. Fun colors, fun performances. I think a huge part of pulling off a movie like this is just making sure you employ some really good, solid, hilarious improvisers. Because a lot of Adam Devine and Thomas Middleditch's scenes were what made it so, so funny. Yeah. Uh, it's... Um... This is great that we've done a couple, like, funny ones, like, mm-hmm. in, in, in close to the same time, because it's, like, really showing different different points on the spectrum of, of comedy and horror. Different amounts and different, like, um, leaning one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, when we recently did Get Out, there was a definitive, hard, big chunk of comedy mm-hmm. that was mixed in through the whole movie. Yeah. And this one, I think it was, like... Almost mostly a com- very close to mostly a comedy. That's what, yeah. Would you? So I brought this up at the beginning, and now I can pose it to you now. Would yeah. you call it more a horror comedy or a comedy horror? I it's a horror comedy. Um, yeah, because it's not a comedy with some horror thrown in. It's a horror story that they've made funnier and funnier. It's orbiting funnier. around the concept of an eighties horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And they've recreated it. In, you know, if you're gonna do this, if you're gonna try to recreate a horror movie by like putting some contemporary characters into the film, yeah, if you're gonna do that, you can try to steer into making that really, really scary the fact that they're in a movie. Mm-hmm. But I think the more intelligent thing to do is to steer into the components that make it seem like a film and not real life, yeah. And often that's funny, especially if you're talking about 80s horror movies, is that's a funny thing to do. So they just, I really think they just explored the idea of the like appropriate way you should do it, and it came out or it came off as very, very funny, yeah, yeah, probably in like a writer's room, you know, and that would have influenced casting, is like, right, right, yeah. yeah I, I wish this movie was seen by more people, like, I haven't heard a lot of people. It came out a couple of years ago now, 2015, yeah, and I, I don't hear, like, I haven't really talked to anyone about it, yeah, it's um, it definitely is a. Uh, like bring it up with a group of people there and watch it yeah you know especially people who are just good horror fans and especially fans of the slasher subgenre yeah they should they should watch this movie they'll enjoy themselves Uh, yeah it although if you don't if you take those movies pretty seriously and you like the darker side and Mm. you don't think it's like super funny like the the teenage component or the the low production value component yeah i can see how watching something like, like this could really put you off Right, right. Like, you gotta know that you're going in to laugh. Yeah. More so than some. That's, yeah, that's interesting, because so many of those slasher movies do kind of steer into, uh, if not cheesy, at least funny. Like, there's still some relief moments. Scream has a lot of, like, kind of funny characters and funny moments that happen. Yeah. Um, I'd say the first Halloween is just a genuinely very creepy movie. There doesn't seem to be a lot of comic relief in that. Yes. But I'd say most slashers overall are for... People want to see the carnage. They want to see... Yeah, that's So there's kind of a fun element to slashers in general, you know? Yeah, and and then there's also the side of people who like the suspense element. They're like, who's next? What's going to happen? And if that becomes a joke, you know, like, or just becomes a part of the story's DNA, like, Mm -hmm. what role you fill and therefore when you're going to die... I think that combined with comedy can put off a lot of people who may really, really enjoy slasher. Just want to get into a good scary slasher. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be a good thing to think about: is what what are like the scariest slashers or the most serious slashers? Like yeah, one slashers that, have... that take themselves seriously. Yeah, because in the last couple of years, we've really had this wave of horror movies that are very serious, like very serious about creating an atmosphere, getting you scared. Um, really sucking you into it. I'm thinking about The Witch. It follows. This is, yeah, this tends to be. Break. This tends to be me. This is my side of horror that I enjoy the most. Yeah, me as well. I love. I love a lot of these I, movies. I don't like laughing. 
I don't like it. <laughs> I, I definitely have an affinity. I mean, we both do. We love things all across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there is a special place for those ones that really want to get underneath your skin and don't want to give you any relief. Just want to hold you hostage almost and terrify you the whole way through. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering now if that can be done with slashers. Like, there should be a slasher movie that gets inspired by the last couple of years of these really intense, serious horror movies and takes the slasher to its true terrifying level. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe The Strangers would be something close to an example of that. But it, it should be. Uh, maybe number two could be. Um, but The First Strangers is low violence until they get them. Right. I guess it's, the slasher has that element of yeah. that's inextricable of excessive violence. Yeah, throughout. I think what's hard about a slasher is because, like, the build isn't typically, and this is this is all coming from my my own perspective, and I don't <laughs> want to say that this is a rule or anything, but um, the the fear often in the ones that I've seen comes from this this real building of what's going to happen next, rather than what's going to happen. It's what's going to happen next. It's this building litany of of horrible things mm-hmm. that at the end, you're, the character you're closest to is is the most threatened, and that's when it gets real bad. So like. Um, where yeah, Strangers only has two characters really, right? Exactly. So it's really, really high stakes because you attach yourselves to those characters, um, and then it's just a matter of at the end, do they make it? Don't they make it? Yeah. Right. And and that the way that it's done, I think, is one of the most terrifying things ever. Mm. But trying to trying to throw comedy into that, we don't need to even talk about how that's not just mm-hmm. not the scope of that film. But um, in making a slasher, I think it, you need high a lot of cast members like i think there needs to be a lot of people who you have some connection to and i don't think you can really connect with like a bunch of really normal people very quickly they kind of need to have these quirky personalities these silly they need to be distinct from one another yeah you're right because that question you're always asking when watching a slasher is who's next who's who next? is the next to go who is going to end up by the end yeah and there needs to be like at least four or five deaths exactly and and to have that many people who you care enough about them dying mm-hmm. i think that's difficult to do in the amount of time that a movie has so the way to do that is to be ever so slightly silly mm-hmm. you know what i mean to like yeah make it satisfying in that way yeah i, w- I wonder about that like if it, if you can do it without being silly like if you could pick people off one by one without there being an element of kind of fun and um, yeah, I'm dark, sure. dark hilarity to it. Man, I wish, like, not wish, listeners, you guys gotta, like, be more vocal, because I know you know of the slasher that's out there that is super serious and super dark. You can send us a private message, you don't need to post it, it doesn't yep. need to be a public thing. I, we just want to know, and we'll watch it. Please tell us, anytime, especially when we're getting, um, really rhetorical with our questions, please mm. give us input. Yeah, yeah, we're looking to uh, yeah have that discussion. Right? So right now the question is, uh, what do you think the scariest slasher is? Right, great, perfect question. Okay. Let us know. Um, however you, f- you want to do that, uh, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, and um, those are the two main ones right now. And those are them. <laughs> <laughs> Please go to one of those places. Um, Instagram's blowing up. Follow us on Instagram if you haven't already. Sure, and um, check us out on Facebook. Yeah. Send us a private message again if you don't, if you don't want to do a public thing, right. and give us the insight that we're missing. Because we are not unaware of our mistakes. Ooh, which are a plenty. We, ooh, we've been suffering a little bit the past week. There's this thing where after we're done recording and editing an episode, <laughs> we just feel compl- so much shame over the <laughs> multitude <laughs> yeah. of bad dates, facts. Yeah. Oh, there are some that's, that hurt me so bad. They keep me up at night, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> 
Well, we could correct now for the record. The, uh, the big ones. The, well, the Get Out one. Uh, the Get Out, and I wanted um, but, yeah. in terms of Keanu. Would you like to apologize uh, uh, for your, your ways? Now we're gonna make an apologies right now. I'll apologize right after you, so don't worry. Okay, cool. Um, I would like to personally apologize for claiming that Key and Peele directed Keanu. Um, Thank you. They uh, they wrote it. And Jordan Peele wrote it, not not Michael Keegan Michael Key. Someone yeah, wrote. Again. <laughs> Or you can apologize the next episode if you don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to throw too many apologies at them once. Yeah, so sorry uh, sorry about the crosswires there. Um, and another one that really got me was um, the Suspiria episode. Yes, um, we this is both of our faults. Yeah, where we, we both kind of got into our heads that um, The Exorcist came out in 1977, the same yeah. year as Suspiria, when it was actually 1977. 67. 67? <laughs> no, 73. 73. Fuck you, Chris! God damn it. And I want to apologize for claiming that Antiviral came out. In, maybe we should have some like sad music over our apologies. Yeah. Uh, Antiviral, I said, came out in 2007. It came out in 2012. And uh, yeah, check that one out. You should check that out. Uh, Antiviral? Yeah. I think you'll like it. Okay. It's, cool. I'd say it's more sci-fi than horror. That's fine. I need some of that yeah. in my life. That's perfect. Check it out. It's more like dystopian sci-fi, but regardless. Okay. No, no, I'm into that. Thank you for still listening. You know, yeah. regardless of our apologies, um, we're only human. Yeah, and um, I'll, I'll open this up again. I, I said it in one episode, but we're going to have to say it in several. Please, please head on down to Facebook and let us know if, we, if you noticed we said something wrong or um, we're missing something. Some movie, like we're doing, if we try to do an example of all the cool, uh, scary slasher movies and we can't come up with one, that's where we need you guys to come in and be like, bam, this one. Then it's going to be on the podcast. That's how we do it. Help us out. You know, we're very, we're very happy with this podcast and we see that our listenership is growing and now I think the big goal is we just want more interaction. So please. Yeah. We want interaction, not, not to gain some sort of notoriety, but so that the content that we're making is what you guys want to be listening to. To expand the conversation. Yes, exactly. Completely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause that's what we do. We have conversation. Con- immediate conversations. About horror movies here on the text, Chris, Dave Saw, Massacre. 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 My name is David Stonebra. I'm Chris Vandenberg, and we need to come up with a line. Mm-hmm. What about, like, Chaos Reigns? <laughs> Chaos Reigns. <laughs> Chaos Reigns. <laughs> How about just the A, because that's a lot of fun. A, 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 A. Don't give Tina Adderall. Uh, Adderall is just... Adderall's pretty funny. <laughs> and that it's like awkwardly Don't doesn't... Tina Adderall. It doesn't like fit. I'm... Yeah, I like it. You like it? All right. Yeah. But I mean... Dude, Don't give Tina Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> but if Tina didn't get the Adderall, then she wouldn't have fallen in the bear trap and freaked out, perhaps. Yeah. And then Billy could have fallen in that bear trap and that could have crushed his skull which would have ended a lot earlier or would it have because then more final girls would be alive and it might have started over the whole process yeah no i uh i think it's difficult to say that the amount of adderall that tina took influenced the outcome (laughs) of the movie in any way but it did influence our favorite scene yeah so perhaps um yeah so what is it don't give Tina. that's a don't one do you want to do a don't one Mm. We could, there's also, Tina took 30 Adderall. Tina took 30 Adderall. We're not doing, that would be our first breaking of the seven syllables, but I'm okay with that. I'm cool with it too. Okay, so, to come from, Tina took 30 Adderall. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we said our names earlier. We did, so let's just sing it.
Thanks again, Scaredy Cats. Later, Scaredy Catties.